0: Hi, and welcome to a Slate spoiler special about season three of Netflix's House of Cards, in which a fast-paced, more-than-slightly-nonsensical political thriller transforms itself into a much more plotting relationship drama right before our very eyes. I'm Willa Paskin, Slate's TV critic, and I am joined today by devoted binge-watchers Brian Louder. Hi, Brian. Hello. Katie Waldman. Hi, Katie. Hey. And Miriam Cruel. Hi, Miriam. Hi. Um, So, guys, <laughs> I just wanted to start by getting your general impressions and feelings about this season vis-a-vis the two that have come before?
1: Uh, I, I'll start. Um, I liked it. I had fun. I'm so disappointed. I think all you guys are more negative than me. Uh, but you I,
2: haven't even heard from us yet. Well, I,
1: <laughs> well we, we, I, I've sensed it in the air uh, okay. coming in here. Um, I think it is it, – you're right, Willa, that it is a different tone this season than the, the two previous seasons for sure. It's a lot – a lot more, um, moody and sort of interested in smaller issues, I think, uh, rather than sort of grand, uh, political craziness. Uh, but I, I found myself enjoying it on the level of camp, which is how I al- how I've always enjoyed it. And, uh, it, for that, it didn't really change for me. And I, and I sort of was happy to, to sit with it all the way through to the end.
3: For me, it was more about the pacing. Like the pacing of the first two seasons just felt really, binge inducing and really like addicting. And this one just had no pacing for me. There was nothing that I could grab onto where I was like, I really want to know what happens to this guy or what happens to like this plot point. Like there was just nothing that I
2: could think of that was
3: Mm. so, so addictive for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, my feeling was that it was pretty uneven. So I don't know whether this season is like precariously balanced on all the goodwill that the past two seasons worked up for me, but, um, I enjoyed it, but I, the beginning i thought was incredibly sl- slow and then it kind of accelerated and as the arc continued there were like certain scenes that i was super super into like claire's bathroom scene which maybe we'll talk about but then <laughs> that's the um, one she
0: impersonates Lyndon B. Johnson.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um and does diplomacy while peeing and (laughs) but very elegantly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have never peed so elegantly in my life. Um but like those are sort of like the blueberries and the muffin. And then there was all this starchy, boring stuff around the blueberries, which I was not into.
0: You know, I think I think we should probably do a little like recap of what actually happened this season. But for me, there were still a ton of camp moments. Um I think it's interesting again, about the show, how many people are watching it for camp and how many mm-hmm. people think that it's a actually good show. And we can get into that um as well. But I do think just sort of structurally, there was a really big difference this year, which is that in the past, we've kind of known that Frank was trying to become the president. And now he is the president. And so it becomes about him holding on to power um, instead of trying to sort of get it. And that not only slowed down sort of the show, it also kind of constrained what he could do. So he basically became not a criminal in <laughs> the season. I mean, he did a lot of, you know, he does a lot of shady things, but I don't think any of it was illegal. I mean, if it was illegal, uh, you know, it was in the sense that the Supreme Court would overturn it, not in the sense of murdering someone or multiple people, which he has done in the past, which is really different. And I also think, you know, I remember last time we talked about um, we did a spoiler special that season, two. I think I complained that none of his nemeses were really plausible because you just kind of know he always has to win. Um, and that is still the case. But he sort of almost had no enemies at all this season until you kind of realize, like, maybe it's Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that that really changed the pacing and sort of the tenor of of the whole show. Almost like it was a better version – like, it was theoretically a better version of itself. It was like a more serious, thoughtful show. But in reality, it's never going to actually be a really great, serious, thoughtful show. So I would just assume it'd be – all blueberry and no more.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you're right that this, the stakes in this season were very different given that, you know, they, Frank and Claire ask each other at various points or really clear more to Frank, uh, you know, what are, what is this for? What are we doing this for? And before it was to become the president for the first two seasons, really, it was that, right? Uh, and now it's like to stay in the house, to be at one more time. And then still in four years, they're not going to have, they're not going to be there anymore. It's not possible. So like, what is the next?
0: I think they get eight. I think if you get in If you get in because you.
1: Oh, does he get? Yeah, that may be true. You're right. You get
0: to be elected twice. Okay.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Good, 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 uh, constitutional (laughs) point there. Uh, yeah. So still, but still, even so, it's like you're not going to die after that. Although
0: (laughs) I I got yelled at, um, last spoiler special for mentioning a a thing from the British, um, version of the show. And I, so people listening, this is a spoiler special, but I'm about to mention a thing from the British show, which is not (laughs) the end of that show. But in that series, I think that, um, the Frank, under one character, I think is called Frank, Francis Urquhart. He basically, um, becomes prime minister and like changes term limits. Like um. he doesn't ever leave. Mm. So it is possible, like, once Frank is, is president for eight years, you know, he could Putin and just never go. <sighs>
3: well, I, I think your point about, uh, both of your points about Frank is, um, really important because he doesn't seem like evil in this season. I'm so confused about what happened to him. Like, it's not that he's helpless and like powerless, but nothing is going his way and he's like not really doing anything about it and you kind of don't care about any of the things that he's doing. Like there's no he has no crazy plot that he tries yeah. to tries to like convolute aside from like the Supreme Court justice thing which like backfires well,
0: immediately. He actually has a number of crazy plots and so maybe let's talk a little bit about the actual mechanics of this season. Um Which are America Works, his recess appointment of his wife to UN ambassador, (laughs) and his, like, unilateral move to, like, put troops in the Jordan Valley. But just
3: to put it in perspective, like, the uh, recess appointment of his wife is nothing that he's secretive about. You know what I mean? There's no, like, convoluted way that he accomplishes it. His wife is like, there's a precedent. It's happened before. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And it's, like, legal, and it's done. People, like, frown on him. But, like, there's no other part of it that is – that involves – convincing a reporter to write something to do this there's like no level of intrigue it's just like okay i'll do that there's
1: many fewer text messages you know (laughs) i I noticed that there's seriously though i mean in the previous seasons there's a lot of like documents happening right emails and text messages and and back channel stuff and that isn't really present here nearly as much
0: how did you guys feel about his sort of like america works for example i mean does the absolute absurdity of that (laughs) <laughs> plan, <laughs> like drive you wild, or is that one of the things about House of Cards where like you're like, that ship has sailed, the uh, the ridiculousness of its politics is the least of it.
2: I mean honestly, that didn't bother me at all. Um like the unrealisticness. But what did bother me, sort of coming back to the points that you guys have been making, is that it is failing so disastrously. And my favorite part of House of Cards in the past has been watching Frank succeed and sort of taking a moral delight in the diabolical genius of his schemes. And this just seems like a harebrained scheme, something that... But the thing is, he you know, what's interesting uh, is he does succeed. Like,
0: they don't sort of um, belabor it and it's not as interesting, but, you know... I mean, this is sort of also just again about the pacing of the show, right? Which is like, he's like, they, you know, his, the DNC tells him he cannot run for president. He's like, okay, I'm just going to do my thing and then I'm going to run for president anyway. And that happened and they make. I mean, he's literally the time when he announces he's running for president. I think they skip it. It's just like off
1: screen. Yeah, it just happens.
0: You know, so so on the one hand, America Works is like gets shut down. He can't get it through Congress. On the other hand, he's then running on it, and and that happens over and over again, where he seems like he's in these corners. Finally, really, um, you know, like when he's sobbing (laughs) in his room, (laughs) yeah, because you know the donors won't donate to him, and Claire has to have (laughs) sex with him. I think for the first time. We've ever seen them have sex without Meacham on the whole show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that true? That's crazy. I think, I mean, I, I really want to get into Frank and Claire because that's where we're going. But, um, I think that's sort of the meat of the season, but you know, he does, he does succeed sort of like there's no blowback for tons and tons of these decisions where when you just think about like our political climate right now and Obama not being able to do anything he does, people are like, he's a tyrant and a king. And then literally Frank is behaving in a, like, and, you know, a sort of extra constitutional – I mean he has no approval ratings. He's about to be voted out of office and and that's sort of just totally like glided – you know, they glide over that. The only person who mentions it is the Telegraph reporter.
1: Yeah. No, one of the – I mean one of the pleasures of the show for me – and it, this may say something about like my political naivete or something. But I appreciate – like, I enjoy seeing politicians do something crazy and grand like that. Like it, obviously, it makes no sense. But I'm I'm reading even like commenters on your review, Willa. And they're like, you know, this, this season makes no sense, because the things are crazy. And like, that would never work. And like, you you know, they would be shut down immediately by like a uh, circuit court judge. And like, people are getting really into like, the nitty gritty of how, like, it, it would be illegal, or how people would stop it in real life. But like, for me, it's like the poetics of it that are interesting. It's like he's doing something grand on the mall and something's happening and people got jobs for like a minute at well, least. Well, he says
0: that, that's his yeah, whole Yeah,
1: yeah, and I'm kind of, I mean, I'm kind of like, I mean, compared to the current political situation, which you mentioned, which where nothing happens, right? Like it is, there is something sort of at, at just a very base level, like pleasurable about seeing. Like wish
2: fulfillment? Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like, it's silly, yes, of course. But like at the same time, Would that we had a little bit more of that kind of thing in our real politics. Yeah, his mastery.
2: Well, that was the other two seasons, like his mastery. And I guess maybe he does towards the end of the season get things done. But through most of it, everyone hates him. And he is not like a charming, charismatic figure. He's despised and his wife is sick of him. I just the reason to watch Frank Underwood was never because he was an appealing and sympathetic character, but because he was artful and amazing at what he did. And I felt like for most of this season, he wasn't even good at what he did. So, like, why are we watching him? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about the Frank and Clara of it all, because I think this whole season
0: ends up really just being about sort of their dynamic. Um, and, and obviously the first, you know, six or seven or eight episodes um, is sort of laying the groundwork for that with some kind of more... Political thrillery, UN, Russia machinations, but then basically we get to this point where Claire um, is forced to step down as from as from her job as U.N. ambassador, basically because it's a condition of Petrov, the Putin stand-in. Yeah. Um, and she goes back to being just the first lady, this sort of adored figure, which. I'm not sure she ever was actually quite that uncontroversial in her previous life as a not a first lady. But um their marriage then sort of disintegrates. And I think that's very interesting. Like, I'm interested in Claire versus Frank as a way to go because it obviously – in so many ways, she seems like his only really viable – you know, dueling partner. But I also found some of the like the I found much of the way that they ended up breaking up to be like extremely opaque and mysterious. And I just sort of want to talk about all the things that are going on that pulled them apart. Maybe starting with the ridiculous suicide scene of of Corrigan, the sort of the gay activist who seems like he's the first person who like opens Claire's mind up to that she might secretly be miserable in her weird political marriage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also
3: to the idea that she can't do magical things to make people change their mind about crazy – like about political activism that they've been doing their whole life and dedicating their life to. And she can't magically convince them to give it all up because now they're going to go home to their husband.
0: She did kind of magically convince him of something. Of what? I mean, he killed himself, like, kind of because he was talking to her. She did something. He wasn't, like, the same.
3: Right. Not at all what she wanted to accomplish. <laughs> right. So she he opened her up
2: to the fact that she's actually maybe not the best politician. But... Totally. He was like, I would rather die than be like you, Claire Underwood, <laughs> but, living for nothing.
0: Well, what did you think? I mean, I just – there's so many threads here. There's, like, Frank's sexuality, obviously, which is uh, one thread, but I don't even think sort of the main thread. There's sort of – it seems like Claire's realization that – Duh, she's not like in the driver's seat. They're not driving together, which seems so sort of naive to me.
1: So the problem for me with, with, so Robin Wright's skill and and this character the the writing of this character is a, a genius I think is is the subtlety like so much of, of the role that interests me is expressed in tiny like minute facial muscular movements right like it, it's she's so she's so plain and 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 sort of reserved and so the slight you, you sort of watch so closely for the the smallest indication of her internal psychology uh, and I think given what they were trying to do with the relationship and sort of definitely the latter half of the season, uh, it was too subtle. Like, we needed to hear more from her about, like, her motivation. Yeah, this
0: show is not subtle.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I think we were expected to sort of trace... I mean, there were a lot of these moments where she was sort of sitting in some room in the White House and, like, looking out that big window or, <laughs> or having these encounters with, like, sort of three or four different people who I think were meant to sort of be catalysts to this reconsideration. Uh, but there wasn't enough, like... Uh, totally clear insight into what she was thinking for us I think to get to the point at the end where she you know spoiler, like where she, she leaves uh, Frank. And so um, that, that was, I think, a misstep maybe by the writers.
2: Yeah. I mean, one thing that kind of confused me about Claire too, is if she's being positioned as Frank's adversary and he's basically Satan, is she supposed to be good now? And it seemed like a lot of the development this season was like her developing a moral center and she's shaken by an activist's death. And she says, we're murderers to Frank. And she calls out Putin or Petrov about his hypocrisy or his injustice. And like, I had never really seen her as an ethical figure before. So I was wondering like, oh, is she now, are we supposed to be sympathetic to her in that light? Well, it's really interesting because there's
0: two things that are happening, which is that or many things are happening. But one is that she sort of does seem, I think you're right to kind of um, be sort of grappling with... More moral question than she has in the past. But at the same time, the thing she continuously is so upset with Frank about is that he's not protecting her or like she has to beg for this job or he didn't, you know, he's gonna forgive Doug for not having burned the notebook. Like, so that there is this sense that Frank is kind of like letting her down and, and that she's not his priority in the way that she has made him her priority. Mm-hmm. And, and then I also thought that there was this, um, This kind of strand of like sexism running through it, whereas it's basically where I mean Claire is sort of becoming attuned to Frank's sexism. Because I think one of the big pivotal moments in her sort of change is when she's watching the debate, right? She's in New Hampshire at the... You know, at the campaign – at a campaign headquarters watching the debate, she sees Jackie and Dunbar sort of going at it and clearly knows that Frank mm-hmm. is, like, pulling the strings about these questions of sexism and where to send your kids to school. And she leaves. And and that's sort of when she kind of checks out of the campaign. Um, and that was just – I mean, I think Frank actually – the show – sort of in a more subtle way than usual, ended up doing a lot of really interesting things about Frank's sort of implicit sexism, which is he has all this patience for all these men on the show, Mm -hmm. for Doug, for Petrov, for Tom. He's having sort of these like intimate relationships. I mean, there's two scenes of men crying or like, Mm -hmm. you know, falling into his lap kind of. And then meanwhile, he makes this decision to be just such a hard ass with every woman he encounters. Like he wants to do with Dunbar, he wants to rip her throat out. Jackie comes to complain to him and his strategy is to just viciously rip her apart, which which completely backfires. She quits. And then sort of at the end when uh, Claire is sort of compl- – like after their sort of really crazy sexual encounter in Iowa, which we should talk about, you know, Claire is sort of complaining that he's – not even complaining. He's sort of venting about the state of their marriage and he grabs her face and tells her to get over it and like she's going to be there. And this, of course, also again back- backfires on him hugely. Like he just doesn't know or care about dealing with women, which is sort of a first-time you know, that sh- the show hasn't really trafficked in that before because his relationship with Claire was always his most intimate on the show. Well,
3: that's the thing that bothered me the most, I think, that, like, she knew all of this already. Like, none- nothing that she discovered in this season was something that she hadn't seen in, like, all the years of their marriage or that we hadn't seen her see in the previous two seasons. So, like, it was unclear to me why they felt like we needed to see her see this again.
0: Well, it would just be, like, I think, I think they would say, or if you were... Trying to defend it is that she had seen all of his horrible behavior before, but she always thought she was, um, inside of it or like immune. And she basically realizes through the course of the season that she, that he obviously cares about her to a certain extent, but it doesn't, um, preclude him using her in a way to, in a political way to like, like he cares more about maintaining power than he does just doing what she wants
1: i think the betrayal here is not one of like of of so much of even you know him not caring about her enough or a discovery of uh of ethics but more like the breaking of their business trust i mean their their marriage and i think what's so interesting what has been so interesting about it for the for the first two seasons for me was that it was like a business partnership it was something that i think very clearly from the beginning they understood as like something they needed to do together to achieve the things they wanted to achieve. And previously, that felt much more equal, right? It was like, he would take a step up, she would take a step up, he would take a step up, she would take a step up to some degree. Uh, And then when we get to the Oval Office, there is, as he says, one chair. And so that I think changes Changes the dynamic I to think, a degree. I think this
0: was her fantasy about it. I agree with you that that was her fantasy yeah. about it, and she says as much when she's when she's insisting that he put her in the UN. You know, she, she's yeah. like, "What happens if you don't win? Then where are we? Like, I need to be able to run Position. for office because we're sort of in this together." Which, but I think that that has always been totally delusional of her.
1: Well, and I kept expecting sort of midway through the season that they were going to pitch her as a candidate. You know, which yeah, like it was hinted at so a too. little bit, and I was like, "Oh, are they going to like decide he, he's not going to run and she will run instead?" Dead. this is
0: like all the rage on all tv shows right now
1: that all would be that would be, right. that would be
2: amazing that i mean that the, hillary, been really the hillary subtext would be well, pretty strong there and but. much
1: more in line with with what i think at least they imagined their partnership to be like that would have been like an interesting twist right. that would i had
3: a bleary-eyed moment where i was like oh my god they're gonna run on the same ticket together but <laughs> 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 i got really scared that it was gonna happen and was really glad it did not happen yeah yeah but wait so let's can we just talk about frank's sexuality. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I thought what you were, I, I wanted to talk about that too. And I thought you just, what you were just saying sort of indicated an interesting thing, which is maybe I'm not, I'm, this doesn't make me happy to like recognize this about the show, but I'm worried that maybe they, the subtext there was that he is more intimate with men and more, more, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say like attracted to men because that gets into like, I don't know if the show is trying to say he's gay. Like that doesn't seem right to me, but I, but I think he he definitely has more of an intimacy with men and more of an ease relating to them. And I women, also think
0: the show was trying to say that he was a little mm-hmm. gay. Do
1: you think mm-hmm. so? Like I, I think he's bi. Like I mean, yes. if we have to put a thing on it, like I think he. I mean, he clearly. I mean, he Zoe. I mean, I mean my God, you right? Know? <laughs> but but a much well, more but, instrumental kind of relationship to women, right? Than than with men. Well, that
3: doesn't say all his relationships with women are to achieve a goal. Yeah. Whereas like all the relationships with men are for like emotional support right. right like the extent to which
0: he opens Not up to tom them. is really yeah. like unprecedented well so can we
3: talk about that scene because i yeah like let's that. do it <laughs> i guess it the, was the, the, there are many tom scenes that were worth talking about but like i think it was the hand-holding scene and like
1: episode 10 i think yeah.
3: yeah yeah um i don't know if i have anything grand to say about it but i'm interested in hearing what you guys have
0: well what did you guys make of tom to begin with this sort of like <laughs> plagiarizing gigolo junkie soulful writer man
1: yeah yeah i i you know i was i was okay with him when he first entered the picture but by the end i was like this is the stupidest character ever. do you want to
0: hear a fun fact yeah he is married (laughs) in real life to the annie priest who played the um Woman who had the child, like Claire, went into the house in Iowa to try to. Oh, oh
3: that is a fun wow. fact. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Totally. Um, the kind of breastfeeding crazy yeah. person who became increasingly like <laughs> yeah. unhinged as that conversation went on.
1: I mean, to speak to that scene that you mentioned, Miriam, I liked. I mean, I thought it was interesting in in that we, it was revealed that he was the hus- actually the hustler that is he sort of talked about in his book. Uh, in real life, or at least he says he is. I
3: really want to read that book, by the yeah. way. It's called people? City
1: of Night. But he's
3: like, oh, yeah, people <laughs> are always coming up to, me and, to like, me and want to like sleep with me and want to talk to me about it. And I was like, what is this book that you wrote? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. This is like not a real... Hustler I mean,
1: honestly, memoirs are a, good, are a good genre. Um, but So he had just revealed that and then sort of enacts the hus- the very relationship that he was describing with Frank in that mm-hmm. moment. So he's like talking about all these guys who, you know, he had sort of been the confidants of and they didn't always want to have sex. And this is something I think we're all familiar with. Uh, but then that's in fact like the exact scenario that plays out, which I thought was which is sort of interesting writing. But then,
0: of course, like Frank is secretly actually the hustler always. Yeah. not even secretly. Like this person, Tom is like totally delusional about. Oh
1: sure, yeah, no. His to, level of power. Or well, to get, yeah. I mean, t- towards the end of that particular arc, uh, when he when when Tom is genuinely like surprised that he doesn't like the draft, I was just like, this is insane. Like, I mean, to me, that was like the craziest part. It was like, why. Like why are you surprised at all that this person doesn't want you to write about the most like important intimate right. part of his life yeah Just going back. Sorry, go ahead, Katie.
2: Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say another kind of interesting thing about Tom is I think that he is part of this other engine in the series that's like, is it possible to change? Can you reinvent yourself? Because he starts out in one place and then he ends up this world successful novelist and sort of we also have Doug, will he murder Rachel at the end or will he transcend like what he used to be? And then the problem with the relationship with Claire and Frank is it seems like Claire is changing and Frank is not. So Claire's moving forward, whether it's like a spiritual awakening or, a, a, um, I don't want to be married to a misogynist awakening, um, She's going in one direction and he's just kind of stagnating. And I think Tom is a way of like addressing that question of can you really reinvent yourself by telling a new story about things or are we all condemned to just like be the same person forever?
0: Let's talk about Doug, though, because Doug took up like more time than Frank.
3: So much <laughs> Too time.
1: Too much time.
2: <laughs> Does anyone care about Rachel? No one cares about no, Rachel.
3: Didn't care. Well. The only well, thing is, I will I care confess, that she got murdered. Right. Okay, but like, right, but she could have gotten murdered in the first episode or the second episode. The reason, the only reason I'm okay with it is because I have to confess that I am totally into all of the Gavin storylines. He is crazy, so crazy. creepy. <laughs> he is so crazy creepy, and I don't know why. But I'm like, yeah, you can is... do, you can do your weird, unnecessary, like invert, like in inserting yourself into the storyline. It's like I, I didn't even understand why it was necessary for him to insert himself well, into that storyline. Well,
0: the thing is, the question is just like. Ooh, There's a couple questions. Firstly, the whole storyline is basically unnecessary, right? Because we actually know that Rachel is not really at this point like a loose end. Because as we've – I think as has been pointed out probably many times, like what she knows about Russo is like – so unprovable and ridiculous at and this point. And she is point. so yeah.
3: terrified. God, she is so,
0: so that was terrified. Like, there's so much hearsay. She's like a uh, ex process. It's just there's no like even if she could coherently tell her whole story, which she would clearly not do. It's so unlikely that that would get Frank in any kind of trouble. So, So basically we have this season long arc of like. Of basically Doug kind of working through his intense like love guilt for this yeah. woman and then mm-hmm. sort of deciding to kill her as this sort of act of fealty to Frank. But I mean, how crazy is Doug? Like the thing about that storyline is there's all these moments where you're like, he's really getting his life together. Like he recognizes his brother and his kids are more important than his horrible boss who doesn't really care about him. <laughs> and then ultimately, like, no, he cares more about his boss than anyone, which I think also was a counterpoint to Claire. Well,
3: I think because yeah. it's like
0: this other like here's this man Another who man, literally yeah. is just never going to change his mind about you, Frank.
3: Yeah, no, you mentioned that in your review, and I think they're also, like, aesthetically kind of bounce each other out nicely, because all One's the like scenes... like a furry, brown well, no, person. No, no, but, like, all the scenes of Doug are, like, he... I mean, he's recovering, but all the scenes, he's, like, always seems very put together. Like, he wants his appearance to look very presentable, and he... Everything's so crisp, and, like, every time we see Claire, she also has, like, a very crisp shirt, a crisp skirt, and, like, it's just so clean, and I just felt like... Every scene that they were in alone was exactly like uh, every scene that the other one was in alone.
1: Mm, That's interesting.
0: I think that it was the Doug stuff is like totally the leading symbol of like what the season was trying Mm. to do. And maybe you thought it was effective or not, which is like this is just such it was sort of so far out of politics. Right. Like Doug keeps trying to get back into politics and he clearly knows a ton about it. Right. He's on every beat. Like, he knows what Frank's doing just from watching, you know, the the shows, and he's sort of dealing with Dunbar. But, like, he can't – you know, he he's just sort of kept on the outskirts mm-hmm. all the things that are interesting about this show. And we're supposed to just care about his emotional journey.
2: Yeah, and, and he's, like, the whole stasis-first transformation character in, in a big way. Like, he doesn't have anything to do. So the whole question is, like, is he going to be a different person at the end of this season? Or is he going to be the same guy? And, like, at the end, we see he's going to be the same guy. Which is like its pessimistic conclusion. I thought.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, it is like, why did he kill Rachel? You know, just just because he loves like his his loyalty, to Frank, is so much more more important to his self conception than anything else. But or, it,
3: was, wait, or, it wasn't a loyalty thing. You said it wasn't a loyalty thing. It wasn't. It was more for him than it was for Frank. I think it, it was, was more because yeah. he was in love with her, and like he well, needed to close that chapter. And I
1: think he resented the fact that it was a distraction from his like being a operative you know like i I interpreted it to be much more like he was he was just irritated by the fact that she kept this guilt or whatever kept distracting from from the work that he needed to do there
0: is something really sick and like a kind of delicious way about the idea that he like mourned for her so hard like we watched him do it yeah and then he was like oh but then secretly she's live yay and now i'm gonna kill her
1: right right Mm. yeah
0: um did
3: you guys think claire was good at her job As a U.N. ambassador, Mm. she was terrible. The scene for me that like I actually like had to just stop and like step away from my computer for a while was when she like after they had agreed on a statement with Russia after the hanging, she was like, I guess the, um, the Putin like character talked. And then all of a sudden she goes on and like goes off about like this is what really happened. And like. Okay, yes, you're correct, but like this is not how diplomatic things work. What? And like you can't all of a sudden in a press conference, like, reveal that you're gonna do this, and then you're you're obviously gonna mess up all the relations and like gonna put yourself in a precarious position. And like That actually that was she- like
0: the real break in their mm-hmm. relationship. Because that's actually also the first time like we've seen either of them do something so wholly politically unsavvy, like on purpose. I mean we've yeah. seen Frank mess up before, but right. we've never seen it be so willfully
1: well Uh, impulsive impulsive
0: and like motivated by something yeah
1: it's not that he like disagreed with her i think it was just the fact that she couldn't you know from his point of view control herself in the correct way that was so shocking
0: i I was actually surprised by how good she was at it actually like i don't think the show was i mean obviously that (laughs) she did screw it all up in that moment but like the show was sort of like she actually is doing this job kind of well and fine like she's doing whatever 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 diplomacy is good for we're not sure like she's up
3: but keep in mind during she the reason she didn't get confirmed i mean there are a few reasons she didn't get confirmed but one of them is because she also lost her temper (laughs) and like losing her temper is like again like politicians have like lots of things going on like they're not completely honest all the time so she has this like honesty streak but that's not how you accomplish things no and also maybe
0: it's sort of It speaks a little bit to the extent that she isn't a politician, right? Like she Mm imagines herself and Frank as these equal partners, but they've actually done really different tasks this whole time. And she doesn't have the, you know, the polish inside. Like she has so much polish, obviously, but under certain kinds of pressure, she doesn't have the same polish as him because she's been. She hasn't been put in those situations as much. And that, and her fantasy that, you know, her belief that she could be just as good at him as in public scenarios is like a little bit of a fantasy. She just doesn't mm-hmm. have that kind of practice.
2: Because yeah. unfortunately, like Frank is right. She is an excellent first lady, an excellent campaigner. People love to rally behind her if she's not saying anything substantial.
3: Right. Like She's
2: really good at what Frank told her to do. I mean, she would be, people would, she would be such a
0: divisive first lady. though. like, let's be for real.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's like, far too, I mean, again, from the point of view of like the way first ladies are supposed to be, I'm doing air quotes right now too cold too yeah too too polished really yeah. i mean not motherly enough or whatever whatever motherly. we expect from
2: this, all that flip-flopping on hair color too <laughs> <laughs> this is probably not the direction that
3: most house of cards fans are going but i was totally thinking of scandal and like Melly's well, relationship. well meli
0: i are running on a ticket together like they're both running for president that's what i was i was like <laughs> melly should run but and like, melly in, is running. in the
3: world of scandal Melly makes total sense as a politician Yeah, of course. Right. Where, like, she she understands, like, the political machinations of, like, what you have to do. Whereas, like, Claire doesn't seem to get it the same way. Like, she's seen all the stuff that her husband has done. And, like, there's been all these crazy things to get into power. And, like, in Scandal, there's been all these crazy stuff they have to do to get in power. But, like, Mellie understands it and she was part of it. And neither of the political landscapes make any sense or even remotely realistic. But, like... In the world of the show, Mellie knows how to work it, even though she loses it half the time. But, like, Claire just doesn't understand, seem to understand how to work it. Well, she, Or more than she hadn't in the, more than she hadn't previously. But all that being said, I'm super excited for season four when they face off. Like, I think that, like, all this buildup would have been great in the first two episodes. And I wish that the rest of the season had been them, like, sparring.
0: Well, I mean, it, it is also ridiculous. I mean, we didn't, we just got to the Iowa caucuses at the end. And we just got to this moment where, you know, Frank beats Dunbar Mm-hmm. Which obviously he's going to do again. Like, it, it, it's a, In a night, because they slowed it down, the one good thing is it they introduced some actual doubt as to whether Dunbar could win, which if they had done this, probably the season at the speed they should have, we never would have been in any doubt at all because yeah. she can't.
2: Right. And yeah. I love yeah. the whole Jackie, Dunbar, Claire, hassle of women <laughs> subplot. I think that them turning on each other and then possibly turning on Frank, that was super captivating. Would
3: you guys vote for Dunbar?
2: I mean, she has no, like, in-office experience, but, like,
3: I don't understand how she lost at the Iowa caucus. (laughs) Like, that wasn't Uh clear to me how she – she seemed ahead of the polls. Like, what did Frank do in those weird situations that made him –
1: yeah she's so truth and justice i just i I don't trust politicians to be like like that's not
3: that's not
0: how she's things get pure. done i mean
1: I, this is this is the Obama Give experience. Me frank underwood no, but this is the Obama experience in some ways right like he he ran on sort of this campaign of of idealism, which is like great, and we that that's not a bad thing to have, but at the same time, like it's very hard to get anything accomplished if you're not well, she- a wheeler dealer, and so it's like she
0: but she's totally down to be by the end. She's well, really by the dealing. end, which was
1: like, which was in some ways it was like disappointing to me that she didn't get the the, the yeah. notebook that reveals Claire's uh, abortion story because then we would have she would have had a chance to like fuck her image up. Right. Yeah. And she and she didn't get that chance because it was sort of withheld. But uh, yeah, it's true that she did her sort of ethics seem to be getting compromised a bit.
0: Okay, I think we have to wrap things up, but I did want to end by just asking each of you to share your most favorite silly moment from the season. Because I think, as Katie said at the very beginning, there were some blueberries in our starchy muffin. And I, I some of them were really, really amazing. Um, and I just wanted to know what your guys' favorite were. Like when you were just like laughing, this is ridiculous. I can go first. If, so my favorite was... Um, <laughs> when, uh, for the one episode that they're, that Washington DC had like a cardinal and, and Frank is like in, temporarily interested in religion and he <laughs> spits in like the Jesus statue's face. Oh my god. And the statue. Yeah you know like we're talking about how like you think love is what it is like you're a dum-dum, and then jesus falls on the floor <laughs> yeah. and then he takes Jesus's ear and you're just like this is i mean it's so like the symbolism of a thing like i mean they even in that moment you kind of i kind of love that sh- that show because it's like right. it's, they're like we don't even do symbolism like we do symbols exactly like we're yeah, not like it's yeah. not a symbol it is exactly what we think it's like jesus just fell on the floor
2: <laughs> jesus is he's... like i can't even
0: <laughs> yeah totally yeah, yeah. so ridiculous
3: well, I mean, mine is not as exciting as yours because I'm a little bit hung up on the Claire thing, but like, I'm just, I just can't get over the scene where Claire is like, in the prison with, um, Corrigan. With Corrigan, Corrigan. yeah. I can't get over the scene where Claire is in the prison with Corrigan, and she's just like, Bossing around the Russians and like being like, tell me where your like bug is. Take the bug out. Like leave me <laughs> in here. Like, what? Like what is going on? here like, did, what are you, like, Of course we're gonna leave you in here with this dude and you're gonna take a nap. And but I did really, see. really
0: love the moment where she's talking to Frank and she's like, If you guys are listening to this If you're listening to this conversation, I'm trying my very best. And then, like whatever. And, and then he's later,
1: like, yes, yes. He's like, Your wife is right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: later, later, that was, so I great. That that was like, really great. I actually yeah. thought the whole Petrov character in general was like oh, kind yeah. of delightful. Like yeah. what the, the the parallels with Putin were amazing. Like his whole thing, I just thought he was funny. And then I thought also like the scene of him and Frank in the bunker with Frank so uncomfortably yes. wearing like that uniform, you know, his, <laughs> yeah, like, his like his universe. desert Kevlar, his Kevlar, yeah. And and Petrov is like sort of wearing it very well and. You know, it's just like, you see Frank, it was like a very, they literally let Frank be totally emasculated in that
1: moment. Yeah. Mine wa- involved writing in the show, particularly when in one of the episodes, um, both Tom and the, the new journalist, Kate, Kate Alden, Kate, yes, uh, are both narrating like yes. al- alternative stories <laughs> yeah, totally about true. Frank and, and, a hurricane. and yeah, about the hurricane, right. <laughs> th- th- with the metaphors, hurricane <laughs> faith, hurricane faith. <laughs> hurricane faith, hurricane of faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and both writers are horrible like it's like the, <laughs> the prose is so so purple uh, we hear more of Tom's later but but given that this woman is meant to be like the bureau chief from London or something crazy like that that
3: the paper would let like, do anything she but, wants yeah yeah. it was just
1: like come on <laughs> at like least this writing like, is yeah. horrible at like, least
0: they were like we can't run this
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, oh,
0: yeah only
3: because it was an opinion piece and yeah. she is a news yeah. reporter
1: so. she's like I'm gonna I,
0: throw it all away and. this reminds columns. me also of another big failing of this season which is that there was like no sex uh, the fact that like our two reporters are basically the only people who have sex like this whole season, I mean, was really it's disappointing. I mean, where's yeah. like the disgust like you know Zoe and Frank's really gross thing was a really fun mm-hmm. reason to watch that. Doug yeah. has some
3: creepy sex with a Rachel lookalike,
0: but it's like you know what I mean. It wasn't- <laughs> no,
2: I yeah. know it so wasn't mean. even that it wasn't it was not
1: a sexy season. <laughs> I mean, right.
2: I would not yeah. be mad about a remy sex scene, which yeah. is <laughs> yeah. I oh my god, so awesome. I am mad. <laughs> my moment is another symbol, and it is that sans Mandela <laughs> Mandela. Yes. Um, That was amazing. Just like keep coming back to the monks chanting over this design. And the other reason that I liked it is I totally misread it. Like I was like, oh, look at this symbol of impermanence that is like standing in for their political machinations. But really what matters is the time they put in together to create this beautiful design on the ground. And like, that's why their marriage will endure. And then at the end of the season, they (laughs) break up. It was so, just good a job, symbol of their, yeah. of their short time on this earth. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, so thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll be back next season.
1: Yay. Who can
0: stay away? <laughs> All
1: right,
0: thanks a lot. This podcast was produced by Chris Wade. The managing producer of Slate Podcasts is Joel Meyer. The executive producer of Slate Podcasts is Andy Bowers. Um, thanks so much. I'm Willa Paskin for Slate.com.